that's the whole thing about communication with God. It's not so much, as we're going to talk about today, is he's speaking as much as it is about, are we listening? And uh, last week we uh, began to explore uh, this, this, this idea of just saying yes to God and how powerful that is when he speaks to us. Now, I'm a little anxious because um, I'm afraid of what I'm about to say is going to sound like one of those TV evangelists. You know those guys, and not all of them, because I think some of them have integrity and are good, but a lot of them are a little shady, you, you know what I'm talking about, and just these, these fabulous things. Uh, and sometimes they'll stop what they're doing and say, God just told me there's a lady here who blah, 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 and this and that, and you should give me $1,000 and all of that. Well, I, I don't want to come across like that. I do think you should give me $1,000, but uh, because just think, just think what could happen in the world if everybody in this room gave me a thousand dollars. Whoa, what a blessing that would be to me um, and to my family. Because when I bought a boat and a you know cool car and things, I would share the love with them. As we were worshiping just a moment ago, especially during uh, the Revelation song, um, I thought, boy, these guys, the worship team, they're just they're going for it today. You know, they're gonna. And, and then the Lord just seemed to speak to me and just to say, it's not just a worship team, it's me. And um, I'm all messed up because it just seems that the Lord would say, you know, as I'm just singing, Lord, I adore you. As if I could hear the voice of the Lord speaking back to my heart saying, and I adore you. Like me, me. And the Lord just seemed to say, yeah, and I think before you get up and talk about me speaking to people, you need a fresh word. <laughs> you need to hear me speak to you real quickly, just so you step up with confidence, knowing this is an academic. This will be heavy on teaching today, but it's not just about learning new information. This is something that I pray and I hope and I believe, I honestly believe it's going to change some lives in this room today. Um, and I've asked God to do that. I've asked him to speak to us today in this following week. You know, it wasn't until about, uh, I'm going to just kind of give a rough guess on this, uh, about 10 years ago that the word hotspot changed meanings completely. I mean, up until then, whenever you hear hotspot, you think of a political war zone, right? I have a friend from the Congo, and 10 years ago, that was a hotspot. Amen? Uh, I know we think about Iraq or we think about um, the North Korea border. We think about places and we think, oh, that's a place you don't want to go on holiday. That, that's not a good vacation spot. It, it's a hot spot. But 10 years ago, that word took on a whole different meaning, at least for me. It got a brand new definition because attached to the word hot spot now, uh, is, is, it's more about you go to a different city and you can't get connected with your laptop. And you need a hot spot. You know, you need Wi-Fi. And for those of you who don't have 3G, this is especially true. You know, you go to a new town and you're looking for a Starbucks, you're looking for, you know, a crystal somewhere that offers free Wi-Fi because you need a hotspot. You know, and, and that's one of the things you check on the hotel now. You know, you look on, on the list when you're reading reviews about a hotel in a different place and you think, do they have Wi-Fi? Do they have free Wi-Fi access? Is it everywhere I need to be? Isn't that, isn't that funny how important that's become to us, a place where we can pick up wireless internet. And when you don't have it, like when you go out of the country to a place where it's not available, isn't that a weird feeling? 
You just feel like, ah, ah, I can't get connected. You know, and you just, there's like an insecurity there. I don't know why, if it's an addiction to your, you know, or you just miss your Facebook friends because you're just, you know, and I don't, I don't know what that is. But a place of access has become a high priority to us. A place where we can connect to people all over the world. A place where people's lives really are altered and, and we think about that. So what that got me to thinking about uh, is that it strikes me that prayer is kind of a hot spot. Because in prayer, you not only have access to what's going on around the world, you have access to what's going on in the universe. Prayer is the only place where risk and danger and vulnerability and wide access and, and opportunity and miracles, where all of that comes together because you are connected to the living God. As cheesy as it sounds. And so many things I wrote in my notes this week, I, I looked back and I thought, I can't say that. Uh, you're connected to God. You know, he's online. Uh, anyway, um, I know it's kind of corny, but, but that's the image. You know, I thought, well, if you, if you get the big picture, uh, then, then you'll realize that. Uh, the, the thing is, well, what does, you know, you remember Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, what that says about that access with God, about, about that connection? It says this, it is a fearful thing, literally it means dreadful, horrifying, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I used to read that, and I think that just that scripture sounds so contradictory to all the other things I read about and think about. You know, when I when I imagine being in God's hands, He's got the whole world in His hands. Ah, you know, uh, oh no, I've fallen into God's hands. Isn't that a good place? Wouldn't that be a good thing to be in God's hands? According to the writer of Hebrews, uh oh, you fell into God's hands. Well, you know, I think there's a couple of things going on there about that scripture. One, I think it's the fact that you fall into his hands that makes it kind of scary. You know, you're not jumping. Uh, you're not being, you know, brought into his it's a It's like an accident that's happening or something, and you didn't want to be there, and you didn't mean to be there. Uh, but, but I think a bigger picture is that, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I know, because my, my life has fallen. When I was 19, my life fell into the hands of the Lord. And I was scared. I'll never forget the night, you know, getting up and thinking, oh, what's going to happen to me now? And what is this going to mean? And what's my family going to say? What are my friends going to think? Are they going to still be my friends? Uh, when they know that I've, you know, I just adore Jesus now, and I'm going to live for Him. And uh, I don't know, I was kind of scared about that. But I was more scared of not falling into his hands. It's a scarier thing. It's a more fearful thing to not be in his hands. To not, not fall in his hands and live your whole life in avoidance of him. And maybe some of you, you're there right now. You think, yeah, my friend drug me to church, promised me good lunch if I would come. Or, you know, my wife finally talked me into being here. Whatever it is. And that's okay. Uh, but you're kind of avoiding this. And I can remember going to a worship service like this with some friends and trying to tune out this part. I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to, know to talk about this. and don't, no. I, I didn't want to make all the changes that I knew that that would bring into my life if I were to sell out for Jesus, if I just buy into this whole thing of becoming a Christian. And I thought, oh, that's good. I, I'm just not going to think about it today. I'm not going to think about that. Uh, that is so much scarier than just falling into his hands. Um, 
So today, what I would like to do is to talk over the next few minutes about hearing God and what it means to step into a hot spot, to all of a sudden have access to Him. You get a real strong signal to go to that place where you're making yourself vulnerable before a holy God uh, so that whatever He asks you to do, you're ready to do it. Now, some of us took the first step last week in our worship service and we said yes to God. God, I'm going to say yes to you. What do you, what do you want me to do? It's like handing him a blank check. Go ahead and sign your name and do everything and say, here you go, God. You fill it in and, and I'm going to do that. Now, an interesting thing has happened between last Sunday and this Sunday. I've gotten several emails and I've gotten some phone calls. Some of us have had some conversations and that they've been kind of going in this direction. Hey, Dan, I said yes to God Sunday morning and I meant that with all my heart. I have had one of the worst weeks of my life. (laughs) Hey, Dan, did you mention, did I just miss that part where you said the wheels are going to come off when you say yes to God? That everything's going to happen? No, actually I talked about it on Wednesday night at Cafe. So if you missed that, well, you're in big trouble. Because we don't even even, um, record that. So, you know, you're, and I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. You're just on your own. No, I'm kidding. But sometimes... I feel like I need to put a disclaimer with this. When you say yes to God, it doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to start falling into place and life's going to get easy. And, you know, sometimes there are going to be some tests, some trials, and some temptations that sort of come out of the blue. We, my family and I, we've had one of the roughest weeks we've had in a long time. There have been just different situations that have occurred, and we've thought, Lord, we want to follow you, and Lord, we don't, we don't know what to do. And, and just, you think, maybe it's coincidence, okay? And maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I don't think so. I think that just like when Jesus says, yes, you know, and then there's these temptations, and there are these trials that he went through, and these, this time in the desert. So don't be surprised when you say yes to God, uh, that maybe some things are, are going to kind of come at you. And I'm not trying to scare you away from saying yes to God. I just want you to be ready for it. It's probably going to be temporary, um, and you can do this. You, God is going to teach you some things through this and, and walk through that you know, with you. Now, when we come to that hot zone, that, that place, and we take this risk, God, I'm willing to take this risk of falling into your hands because I know that not falling in your hands is an even bigger risk. It's in that place that you have unbelievable access to power to knowledge, and to goodness. Unbelievable. Have you ever been somewhere where you almost got connection, but you don't? You know, my house is this way. I mean, it's all over my house. And we've tried to put in a pretty, you know, decent little wireless thing. But for some reason, and I won't tell you what kind of phone I have, but the phone is not real famous for getting great connection. And I've put the free case on it and all of that. A little hint. And I walk around my kitchen like this. Wait, I got a bar. I got a bar. Oh, I got another one. I got another one. Hello? I can't, you know, and it's just so hard. So we have to go out on the front porch, have to go out in the driveway. And if it's pouring down rain or blazing hot sun, it does. I've got to go out there to talk on my phone. And we have higher expectations than that nowadays, right? Now, my bedroom just gets, you know how you like to get in bed and get your laptop and you kind of make your nest and, you you know, you got your sandwich and everything. I get just enough connection to be connected. But you have to hold your head like this and one leg like this. And then, okay, I'm connected. And nobody move. And if the dog starts to get up, I go, sit, sit. Don't mess this up. 
Sometimes we feel like that's the way it is with the Lord. I've got, oh, I've, I feel like I got this connection with the Lord. I don't want to do anything to mess that up. And I, I, I want to stay in touch with him. We're going to talk right now about that connection and how it's strong. And it doesn't matter where you go. Did you know that you could go to the moon and pray and have 100% access? You can go to any country on the planet. You can go anywhere and you can pray and have access to God. Strong, strong access. Now, to illustrate that, what I want to do is look at a story about a guy who heard from God, and he heard him speak very clearly. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it's a story that, uh, about a young boy named Samuel. And we know from earlier in the book that this seven-year-old boy uh, ministered before the Lord. He grew up in a religious environment, and he's, he's around that. We've for a little while, I have a seven-year-old boy in our house, and we kind of know that they're very busy people, and they've got a lot going on. And you know, and here he is at this age; uh, he's already ministering, and he's already got some chores to do that involve you know religious duties and that kind of thing. And the Bible says that he grew up in the presence of the Lord, and that he continued to grow in uh, stature and in favor with the Lord. And they heap these great descriptions, these beautiful things about Samuel, this young man. Because he's living this life of serving God. But even after all that, in verse 7 of chapter 3, and we're going to read this in just a moment, the Bible says that Samuel did not know the Lord. You think, what? I thought you just said he's ministering and he's in the temple and he's hanging out, all that. Yeah, that does not make you a follower. That does not, you know, just because you come to church doesn't make you know the Lord. Uh, just because you grew up in a family who says blessing over the meal, and you think, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, I think I'm a Christian, that, that's not what makes you Christian, okay? Just like uh, walking into McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger, coming into this building doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. It's a personal relationship. So even though Samuel was in that environment, and he even lived a religious life, he was a good kid. The Bible says he was devoted to serving the Lord. You know, he wanted to do that, but he didn't know the Lord. How on earth could that be? But I see that all the time. I see religious people all the time who, and I can't judge, it's not, that's certainly not my place, you know, but I've known people who, and, and I've baptized a lot of people who said, you know what, I thought I knew the Lord, and I went through this ritual, or I did this and I did that, but I, I just I figured out, I don't know Jesus. I've never given my life to Christ. I thought I did, or I, I kind of lived on the, the, the fringe of that, but I, I want to step into to Jesus. I, I want to I be a genuine Christian. And I've baptized people right here with that testimony. Some of you are here today and think, yeah, I thought I did at one point, or I kind of wanted to, just never made that jump, never, never took that step. Well, that's where Samuel was. Why didn't Samuel have this, this knowledge of the Lord? Well, in 1 Samuel 3, 7, the Bible says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And here's the key. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, the word of the Lord doesn't mean Samuel didn't have a Bible, missionaries hadn't come yet. and so No, it, it doesn't, didn't, doesn't mean that so much. It means that he hasn't heard the voice of the Lord yet. God hadn't spoken to him. In those days... According to chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord was rare. It wasn't like now. You turn on cable television and everybody on there has heard from God and everybody's got a you know, and everybody. And it's, and it's interesting to me sometimes that God says different things to different people about the same thing. Um, 
But the Bible says there, were many, there weren't many visions of the Lord. What's going on, and just set the background, is this famine of God speaking to his people. It says that during this time, uh, the primary means by which God would communicate with the nation of Israel was through visions. And the way that he would speak to individual people was through visions. Uh, but even these visions were rare. Why? What's going on in Israel at this time? Well, here's, here's the situation. This was at at the tail end of a period in Israel's history called the Age of the Judges. And you can go back and read the book of Judges. It narrates most of this and kind of gives you, fills in the gaps and tells the background of this. The Age of Judges for Israel was kind of like the Dark Ages. It was a time, it was just not a good time in their history. Uh, Israel was at their most carnal they were the most sinful they had ever been. They were idolatrous. They were completely autonomous. Uh, and what I mean by autonomous is that everybody did what they wanted to do. Uh, in fact, in the book of Judges, three times there's this little refrain that goes like this. In those days, there was no king in the land, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And does that sound kind of familiar? Does that have a real modern vibe to it? Everybody just does what they want to do. I read an editorial yesterday that said, as far as the mosque uh, being built in New York City, so yeah, we ought to build a mosque. We ought to build the mosque right there, and next to it, we should build a Christian church, and next to that, we should build a Jewish synagogue, and next to that, something else, and then we should build something. And, and I think that's kind of the way our nation thinks. Doesn't matter what you think about God. Doesn't matter your approach to God. Doesn't matter. Everybody just do whatever you want to do. That's where Israel was. Everybody did what, well, for me, that's just, you know, I was, sharing, I was sharing the Lord with somebody. And they said, I'm so glad you found that. I'm glad that works for you. That's not for me. That's not the path I choose. I'm, I'm like, whoa. So we get to pick. We, you know, that's what was going on in Israel. People really don't care what God thinks. They just choose what they want and kind of how they feel, what brings the most pleasure. And a lot of that gets pretty greedy, right? I mean, if we're honest... Because for a big portion of my life, I kind of made up my own religion. And I just pulled stuff I liked. And that way I got to do the stuff I really wanted to keep doing. But uh, it kind of helped soften the fear of going to hell a little bit. Or, you know, all those other things. Make me feel like I had some connection, you know, spiritually with the Lord. Uh, Everybody's doing what was right in their own eyes. You see, the problem in Israel at this time is not that God has fallen silent. God did just say, you know what, I'm I'm not talking to you. I'm not, I'm not going to speak to you anymore. No, in fact, Psalm 19 says there's no place you can go in all of creation, in the whole earth, where you will not hear the voice of the Lord if you're listening. Uh, it's, this is not an issue about the muteness of God. It's more about the deafness of humanity. It's not that God says, I'm not talking to you. It's us saying, God, I really don't want to hear what you've got to say. Like, everything's about to change. Uh, not by some great hero that's going to come in and go, Israel, you're saved. You know, it's not going to happen like that. It's going to be in the most unusual way. A seven-year-old boy, a seven-year-old boy is about to rock the whole world. God discerns in the heart of Samuel an attentiveness, a readiness. Samuel's He's, he's too, you know, he's ready to listen. I'm, I'm re- he loves God. He doesn't understand a lot about this. He's serving God. He's kind of living up to, to what he knows. He's even ministering before the Lord. He just doesn't know the Lord. I just, I don't know. I don't know the Lord yet. 
But God sees into this heart of this young man, and he is a young man who already at seven is ready to say, yes, God. Just like we did last week. Yes, God. Yes. Whatever you say. Uh, And this little boy is about to change the course uh, of an entire nation. And just think about everything riding on the response of this kid. Uh, There's something cool about that to me. It's kind of scary, um, and it's a big thing, but that's how God works. I believe, and I don't want to overstate this. Again, I'm afraid if I talk in superlative, you know, if I say it's the biggest, best, or whatever, you walk out going, why do, why do preachers always say stuff like that? Everything to them is, well, over the top. But I, I do believe that some of us have tuned it. Some of us are beginning to listen to the Lord. And God's going to speak to some of you, and you're going to change the course of your dorm. You're going to change your high school. You're going to change your office. It's going to look different a year from now because of you, your neighborhood, your immediate family. I really believe God's speaking and some people are listening and God is going to begin to move in unusual ways because you're saying yes to him. Uh, And if that begins to happen, will you just shoot me a testimony? Will you just tell me like in an email or something? Uh, I would love to know and and see see how that plays out and where it goes. Well, let's read, let's read this scripture together and just kind of see this story that I keep referring to and what's going on here. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim uh, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. <laughs> and he ran to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me? And he said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. So he went and he lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. He said, I didn't call you. <laughs> My son. You know, this is how parents talk. I didn't call you. Son, go back to bed. Lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. God never says stuff like that to me, but he did to Samuel. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli... All that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. Oh. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew. Because his sons, see Eli's sons were blaspheming God and Eli didn't do anything about it. He did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offerings forever. There's nothing religious he's going to do to get out of this. I'm, I'm kind of done. He's not listening. I'm done. Samuel lay until morning. 
Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. You think? <laughs> hey, Eli, guess what? Guess what God said about you? But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, uh, here I am. And Eli said, so what was it that he told you? Don't hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. That's an unusual response. You better tell me what God said. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the will of the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Wow. What an interesting story. God is revealing a very hard word for the house of Eli. And he basically says, I'm done with you. Uh, I'm going to move on. We're going to do this in a different way. And it's a unique moment in history. God is speaking so clearly, so specifically to an individual. And I look at this and I can see a template of how God speaks. Now, what I'm about to share is not necessarily the same in every circumstance. doesn't happen in this order necessarily. But what I've kind of figured out is... When I look at Scripture and I see all the instances where God speaks to people, and I look in my life and I see, God, it seems like every time you've spoken to me, it kind of has these elements in it. And then among my friends and people around me, I think, wow, here's some things that seem to be consistent in all of those moments. So if you want God to speak to you and you're ready to, to listen to him, Here's some things you can expect. Now, I'm just going to list these. Now, I'll probably go through them pretty quickly, or at least quickly for me. And, um, you know, hopefully this will help you this week as you're listening to the Lord. The first thing that you can anticipate when you start listening to God is surprise. <laughs> God often speaks in places and times when you're just not ready. And you, and you kind of weren't expecting that. And we're not looking for this. You know, that's what happens to Samuel. He's just going about his business. He's doing his deal. He's getting ready for bed, you know, and all, and all of a sudden, boom, God starts talking to him. Eli, is that you? Are you talking to me? Oh, I was just waiting up, waiting on God to talk to me. Yeah, he should, yeah, it should be any, any minute now. Now, he, it wasn't like that. He just, he didn't know that. God, you know the situation and you know I need a word from you. Now, there have been times in my life that I've prayed. You know, have you ever done that? God, you know, the meeting's at 3 o'clock, uh, you know, it's 9.30, and I kind of need to know what I'm supposed to do before that meeting. So could you just, now's a good time, I'm ready. And you get your legal pad out, you know, you get your keep, and you're ready. Okay, God, all right, go. Okay, you just want to, yeah, just uh, just say it, um, you know, go ahead, just dictate, um, just, just, okay, and, and, and nothing. But then there are times at unexpected moments where God just speaks. For a while, I was trying, you know, my best to try, get the word out into the marketplace. It's just a, it's still a passion with me. And I thought maybe by speaking. So once, uh, the president of a, a local company invited me to come and to speak to a business meeting of all the managers and regional managers of Southeast. And I asked God to give me a God moment. And nothing happened, you know, and I'm preparing my, my thing and, and the Lord doesn't speak to me. So I asked the guy, I said, could, would it be okay in this environment if I just put in a little, like a little spiritual word, he said, yeah, he was, he was hesitant, you know, yeah, I think that would be, that would be appropriate. But you could tell he didn't want me to preach. Um, so we get there, I'm in Asheville, 
And Asheville's in another state. It's either North Carolina or South Carolina. But I was there, and I'm speaking, and, and I got to this part. And, and right before, seriously, I'm sitting there, you know, trying to look smart and trying to look like I'm somebody you should listen to. And I really know a lot about this subject. And as the guy is introducing me, the Lord speaks to my heart. And the Lord just tells me like two sentences. I just want you to insert this right there in your talk, uh, right there at that place. Just say this. I didn't. I didn't question it, you know. It was one of those moments where I just said, yes, Lord. Uh, I'm speaking and I'm doing my deal, you know, and I get to that place and I say those two sentences. And I go on with the rest of my talk. At the end of my presentation, I just said, hey, you know what? During the break, I'm going to be over there. Uh, I'm going to get a cup of coffee and just kind of hang out. We were at a country club and I said, I'm going to be in that, that little room. Everywhere I go to speak is very fancy, very nice, and very, very sought after. Um, it was a big to-do. Uh, I'm very famous in Asheville, South or North Carolina. And, you know, I go over to the break time and I'm sitting there and having my coffee. And you know how when you're by yourself and you don't know anybody and you're trying to look comfortable? <laughs> you know that feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm real cool. I'm cool. No one's talking to me. Maybe I should hold the cup with this hand. And I don't know how it is with girls, but guys always want something. We, we just want to hold something because we don't know what to do with our hands. There they are on the end of our arms. And so most guys, either, you know, they do this, they put their hands in their pockets, or, you know, and I'm trying to look real casual. You know, I don't know what to do. A lady comes up to me, and she introduces herself. She says, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. And she says, I was really interested in one particular part of your presentation. And she just began to cry. And I did, I've never met her before in my life. And she just begins to, to weep, and she tells me, she says, I'm... I'm going through this situation. She just come out of a real awful divorce and job situation. She got promoted and she's trying to, you know, trying to make good on this job. And I mean, just all these things about her life seem to be falling apart. She said, but when you said that, that she said, I wrote that down. And she said, for the first time in months and months, I feel like there's hope. I feel like, and she said, I just wanted you to know. I just went, yes, God, yes. Oh, Lord. Let me tell you one other thing. I went to a high school in Greenback, Tennessee. You know where that is? It's just down the road. And I sat in the parking lot before I went in, and I said, Oh, Lord, would you, give me a, a, would you give me a God moment? And I spoke at a high school assembly, and at the end of the presentation, a student came up and said, Well, you know, I was thinking about this while you were talking, and I thought, This is it. This is the God moment. But it, nothing happened. And just kind of went on. So I, it was over. I packed up my stuff. You know, and I'm, I'm going out to the car, and the assistant principal of the school uh, came up and said, uh, can I walk you out? Can I, can I walk you out to your car? You need some help carrying stuff. Because I had boxes of Mentos and, and giveaways, you know, and brochures and all the booklets and things. So I'm, I'm carrying all this stuff. And, and just something to me said, say yes. So yes. So we walk out to the visitor's lot, and, and I open my trunk to the car, and I'm putting everything in. And... And she just begins to talk about her personal life. And I'm going, okay, oh, you know, what, where's this kind of, you know, where's this going? And, and uh, I just, for some reason, she said, you know, I think it's when I, there's nothing spiritual going on. And this isn't like me, okay? I'm not one of those guys, you know, those cool guys who go, Jesus, you know, boom, and they go fall out. <laughs> never happens to me, never happens to me. 
But I, I just turned to her and I said, you know what? I, I said, I don't know if this is inappropriate because I know we're out of the building, but we're still on school property. But you need Jesus. And she just starts crying. And she said, you know, I almost gave my heart to Jesus when I was a little girl, but I never did. I said, would you like to now? And she said, yes. And I thought, oh, Lord, what do we do now? <laughs> and I just looked at her and I thought, is it, there's got to be a rule somewhere in Greenback that you can't lead assistant principals to Christ in the parking lot, you know? I said, well, then let's just pray. <laughs> and so we took hands and then I thought, oh, no, someone's going to look out and go, the assistant principal and the guest speaker are holding hands in the parking lot. <laughs> scandal all over Greenback. It would, it would be in the, the newspaper. She just, just real sweet moment. She just prayed to receive Jesus into her heart. I said, is there a good local church you can go to? And she said, yes. She said, my family goes to a church and I'm going to go visit there Sunday. And I said, would you tell somebody what you did? And she said, I will. I will. She goes, I just feel dead. She said, something's happened. I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something's happened. You're not alone anymore. It was a God moment. Now, kind of like Doug, you know, I wish I could be like Doug and just God just spoke to me all the time. That doesn't happen every day. There are times, just like you, I just struggle and I wonder, Lord, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go forward? Do I go back? Do I, go? I don't know what to do. Lord, please speak to me. But sometimes it just comes by surprise. Now, the second thing that we can anticipate is, you know, what, what I call this, uh, how, can, how can I help? What do you want me to do kind of element? You see, in Samuel, there's this spirit of servanthood. He's got an eagerness to serve. He's not defiant. He's not, whatever you tell me to do, I'm not going to do. He's not chasing his own dreams. He's not going to exploit this. God, you speak, and I'm going to look for ways, you know, to get an advantage out of this. He's just saying, yeah, did you call me? You need something? What do you, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm ready. He's just ready. God is looking for people he can trust his voice to. God is looking for folks that he says, you know what, I think I can entrust my presence with you because you're gonna, you're gonna, you've got that here I am, what do you want me to do attitude. That's the sort of heart that, that God blesses. Now, there's another factor, another element, at least in my life that I, I see sometimes, and that's this 2 a.m. factor. If you're a college student, it's probably a 4 a.m. factor because you didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. Um, but at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 2 a.m., you, know, you just wake up and you, you just get this word. You just get this thought, and God just kind of speaks to you. I'm going, now? Really, Lord? Now? <laughs> I've been begging all day for you to speak to me, but you wait till 2 a.m.? Damn, wake up. Yeah, what is it? Go to Nineveh. <laughs> really? And just kind of, you ever had that happen? And the Lord just kind of just, just speaks to you. Uh, sometimes I think that's hap- that happens. I believe... And I don't have a verse for this, but I think that during the day I'm so distracted and I'm so, bu- you know, and, I'm, and we're just, you know, we're busy and God, you know, all these things are going on. God's just like, hey, excuse, wait, hey, can I, I just want a word with, if I could just tell you, uh, I'll wait till 2, okay, <laughs> I'll get you at 2 a.m. <laughs> hey, Dan, oh, good, okay, it's pretty quiet now. Listen, I got something I need to say. So sometimes expect that. Now, not every time you wake up and have a thought. I should marry that girl in my biology class. <laughs> you know, that's not necessarily God. Sometimes that's pizza <laughs> that you had at 1 a.m. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know, a residue emotion or, you know, from a confrontation you had earlier, a problem or something. But sometimes it's a hot spot. Sometimes you're connected. Now, there's a fourth factor that... Um, 
We'll just call it this. Could you say that again? Would you, would you repeat that? I mean, how many times does, it, does God have to repeat himself with Samuel? I mean, I love this line in the text that says, and God came just as he had at the other times. At the other times. God had spoken to Samuel before. Have you, you ever noticed how that God just keeps uh, taking you through things and taking you through things and you go, uh, Lord, are you speaking to me? Oh, give him a bunny rabbit. Guess what? He, you know, uh, ah, you know, we just keep listening. We just keep listening. And here's one of the things, because I always can't discern God's voice. Sometimes I think, is that me? Is that my friends? Is that God? Is that the devil trying to pretend like he's God and trick me? You know, you start doing all these mind games. God, is that really you speaking to me? Here's one of the things, I, I don't know. For me, this kind of works. I'll pray like this. Lord, if this is really you speaking to me, would you keep speaking? Would you keep speaking? If it's not you, shut that voice down. Because I can't tell. I, Lord, I'm not sure if it's you or not. Often, I've experienced the other voice just begins to fade. And it was just a great idea. You know, it was just one of those, you know, like an impulse or a win. And you think, nah, it wasn't. But the Lord just keeps quietly. So I'm t- still telling you the thing today I told you yesterday. Or I'm still telling you this year what I was telling you last year. And I'm just going to keep saying it. You know? Um, so that, that's a good way to kind of discern, you know, begin to discern if, if that's the, the Lord speaking to you. Could you just say that again? And I'm just going to keep listening. I'm just going to keep listening. Now, there's a warning in this story. Eli is a good guy, okay? He's a, he's a good man, but he has this character flaw. It's real important to him what other people think. The Bible says that he, would, he loves the Lord, but he would rather honor men than God. So he's good with God until it disrupts his relationships with people around him, and then he bails. So he just stops listening. And in chapter 2, God has a word for Eli. And speaking through a prophet, he, he told Eli, Have I not clearly revealed myself to your forefathers? In other words, Eli, don't think it's so crazy that I'm talking to a seven-year-old boy. I talked to you when you were seven. Remember? I've been talking to you for years and years and years. And you just stopped listening. To be honest, I kind of relate to that. Because God first started speaking to me when I was about 11 years old. A friend of mine on my baseball team got me hooked up with his church. And I started going to church. And I started hanging out with some Christians. And they gave me a Bible. And, and I think I started listening to the Lord. But then I started shutting down in that voice. And it would be years later, you know, before I would say, God, I'm just ready to hear you now. And I wonder sometimes, only in heaven will I know what all I missed during my whole, my, all my teenage, my, most of my childhood and all my teenage years. God, what did I miss that I, I could have seen and heard? That's a, such a tragedy. You know, that God just says something to you over and over and over, and we don't pay attention. That's where Eli was. And now he's going to get left out of the picture. Now, there's another element. That element, is that you, Lord? God, is that you? And it's a mistake that Samuel makes three times. He mistakes the voice of the Lord for Eli. Eli, you calling me? Not me. Are you sure? I didn't know it was you. You know, that, that kind of confusion. And again, kind of takes some discernment. Another factor is, what do you think? What do you think? Samuel has to go get help from Eli to discern if that's God's voice. And Eli, he still knows enough to know uh, some ways, you know, here's some ways that I can help you uh, understand if this is God speaking and, and what he wants you to do. 
And even though this is a story of God speaking to one person, it seems that God almost always speaks in community. In community. It's rare that everybody in your life is going to think this, and God's going to tell you to go do that. Sometimes... But usually, you're going to show up at your Sunday morning Bible study and say, I have this prayer request, and people are going to go, feels right, sounds good. Or, no, something about that that I just don't think you should do it. You're going to go to your community group, and you're going to say, hey, what do you guys think? What do you guys think about this? And they're going to go, you know, I kind of think you ought to do it. Or, I, th- I, think you ought to wait. You know, I think you ought to wait. And when, when there's community, that's an affirmation. That's an affirmation. So... Listen to the people around you. And if those of you are here who are still under the authority of your parents, listen to your parents. And I know sometimes as wacky as they are and as irrelevant as they may seem, sometimes God just flows through them in unbelievable ways. And I say this to those of you who are married. Listen to your spouse. You think, he doesn't know. You know, and I, no, go ahead and ask your husband. What do you think about it? Do you think I should take that job? Or do you think we ought to... You ought to talk to each other and listen to those voices. It doesn't mean they're infallible. It doesn't mean they're always right. But it means there's going to be a sense of community when people speak. Now, another factor, and we're going to try to wrap this up, is the ouch factor. Okay? Uh, and I say this because the word Samuel gets is really not nice. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. God's speaking. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to be a missionary to Candy Island. And when you get there, I'm going to give you a red Ferrari. And, yeah, I mean, and we just, no, the first things that God started speaking to me about, when I said, God, I'm ready to speak to you now. He said, okay, good. We're going to start with you. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I want you to stop doing this. I want you to start doing that. I want you to quit that. Don't go there anymore. Uh, we're going to go here. We're going to, oh, Lord. It's going to be kind of painful. There's going to be a little sting to it, especially in the beginning. Now, eventually, as you begin to move, and God's going to start saying, okay, we're getting you in pretty good, we're getting you taken care of. Now, I'm going to speak to you about some other things. Now, I'm going to stretch you out, and uh, we're going to talk about other stuff. So, it's going to be a little ouch, and we don't want to hear the hard things, and that's probably the reason we're kind of resistant at first. Lord, I really want you to speak to me, because you're going to tell me, I know what you're going to tell me, and I don't want to hear that. Uh, just go with him and trust, with, trust him on that. Um, and just stay in that, that Wi-Fi zone with, with him. Now, there's another factor, and that's this. Be careful. Handle this with care. You see, you notice there's a protocol here where, that Samuel is learning. One of the things I'm discovering, Kathy and I talked about this, is that when we, we pray, you know, that there are people who do hear from God, but then they go and they do the wrong thing. You know, you kind of go off like, oh, Lord, and it, it becomes destructive. There's nothing more dangerous than somebody who's kind of heard from God or has half of the truth or has, has a good, strong, you know. And they go, that's where cults get started. That's where just craziness. And I've seen people in the name of God do all kinds of, you know, just ridiculous things because God spoke to them. And I thought, I wish you would have kept listening 30 more seconds. You know? I wish you'd have listened five more minutes because you got part of it and then you went off and you, you kind of made a mess of things. There's a protocol to this. And Eli is the one who's able to communicate and to help Samuel. And he assures him, you know, that this word is the kind of words you need, but you need to convey this in full, and you need to kind of follow it through. You need instruction about this. Uh, so that's, that's something to consider. 
two other things. One is be faithful in the small things that you hear. Be faithful in the little things. In this story, Samuel handles this encounter with God right. He receives it. He acts on it. He just becomes the steward of God's word. You know, the word of the Lord speaks to him, and he just says, Okay, Lord, you mean to do that? God's going to give you little things. There are times that the Lord says to me, I want you to pray for this person right now, right now. I want you to call this person. I want you to go over here. Right now, Lord, yeah, tomorrow morning, I want you to do this. Some of you are going to be challenged in some areas that maybe you haven't been real obedient in yet. And it may be a little thing. And to you, it may not seem like a little thing. God may say, you know that thing, tithe, that every now and then they mention at church? Giving your money? Yeah, I was afraid you are going to bring that up. Well, I just need you to start giving. You come every week and you're blessed and your family's blessed, but you don't give. You just take, take, take. You need to give. You need to give. I just want to start there with that little thing. Okay, Lord, just say yes. Trust me, just say yes. Say yes in the little things, and then those little things becomes big things. And I think that's why Samuel became so powerful in his spirit, because he honored God with the word that he was entrusted to every time. Every time God spoke, it was yes. It wasn't yes, 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 no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, 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 no. No, it was just yes all the way through. He's faithful to those little things. And that's usually where God starts. Uh, so, you know, be attentive to those. And there's one other factor uh, th- that I want to mention, and that's this. It starts at home. It starts right where you're living. Eli had stopped hearing from God himself, which is why God went around him and spoke to Samuel, because there's a problem in Eli's household. It has to do with his sons, the way he's living his family life. You know, he's got this junk there. So, so let me, you know, be real clear. God isn't going to use you. Check this out. God is not going to use you in significant ways in the kingdom until you deal with your stuff. Okay, before you can go out and start changing everybody else and doing those things, when, there, when there's all this junk in your, in your heart, in your kingdom, <laughs> um, and you're not dealing with it, what's in, what's in your heart and you have these habits that are displeasing to the Lord, and God, can we just put that over here, and I just want to hear from you about somebody else. You know, you ever gone to a conference or, you know, a passion or something, you're thinking, oh, Lord, speak to the guy next to me. Oh, Lord, change my wife, change my wife, change my wife. And God's going, excuse me, I'm trying to get your attention right now. You know, start with you. Let God speak. It starts right at home. Um, Because if you have those things, eventually God's going to go around you to the person sitting next to you. At the end of the story, Samuel is a man who has this intimate relationship with God. And the text says, as he grew, God was with him. And Samuel spent all that time ministering before the Lord, but now God's with him. And they keep in this close dialogue. They share their hearts with one another. It goes back and forth. And, and I love this part of the text. And this is what I want to finish with. The text says this. As he walked with God, he let none of his words fall to the ground. And that was so curious to me. I wrote it on a post-it note and just carried it around this week. And I'm sitting in the deli thinking, what does that mean? The he and the his. So I looked at the language and the history. And I don't know. Does that mean God didn't let Samuel's words fall to the ground? Or Samuel didn't let the stuff God told him fall to the ground? Or what does it mean? And, and the, the thought came to me, yes. <laughs> yes, it, it's, it's both of those. Because that's the nature of a close walk with God. He doesn't let you down, you don't let him down. And you walk together and you support 
one another. That's a relationship. Now, when Samuel, he went on, became this unbelievable prophet throughout the whole land. He had a huge impact on the nation of Israel. It was Samuel's obedience that ushered Israel out of this hundred years of depravity and self-interest, ushered in a new king, a new king, a man after God's own heart. You know, all these things happened on his watch. It began with a seven-year-old boy who was willing to say, Yes, God. Yes, God. Whatever you tell me to do from this moment forward, I'm going to do. Are you willing to do that? Are you at that place? If you are, keep in mind those, those facts that we talked about today, those little elements that, you know, uh, I remember Dan said it's going to kind of be this way, so I'm not surprised. I'm just going to soldier through this and trust the Lord and be faithful and just keep saying yes. You're on the verge of something beautiful and something different happening in you and then in the lives of people around you. And I, I say that with, a, with authority of the Holy Spirit, uh, not just as me trying to be a know-it-all or, you know, super spiritual or anything. Just based on God's Word and what I've seen in life after life, this, you're going to like, you, it's, it's so worth pursuing hearing the Lord, just saying yes to Him. Maybe last week you held back a little bit. You thought, yeah, I kind of want to say yes, but I'm not ready to do that. And today you're ready to step over the line. And you're ready to say, Lord, yes. We want to give you that opportunity to do that right now. And you can do it anytime. You can do it right where you are. But I don't know. There's something special about physical activity, about moving, you know. It just kind of nails it down for me, specific things. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to kneel right here. And I just want to remind the Lord. Even though I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. I've had a tough week, but I'm going to keep saying yes. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. And I'm going to make that affirmation again. And maybe you want to do that too. Whatever it is the Lord tells you. If you're saying yes, God, for the very first time, you've never said yes to the Lord. You're saying, God, I want to ask you to come into my life. I don't know how to do that. We've got counselors and we've got pastors here who are trained in that. And they would just love to walk you through the word real quick and say, here's how you trust Jesus. And that's the best yes you're ever going to say. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you for our time together and for the worship. It was just unbelievable worship today. Um, And I just feel your presence here. and And I just appreciate so much your faithfulness to speak to us. And as I look in my life, I know there's all these times I think I can't hear you. And sometimes... There's purpose in that, and there's something you're trying to do behind the scenes. Sometimes it's just because I'm not listening, and I don't want to hear from you. Well, Father, today we're going to, as a church and as individuals, as families, we're just going to say yes to you. Would you give us the grace just to say yes, like that seven-year-old boy Samuel who changed the world in his lifetime. God, we want to change the world. We want to change the UT campus. We want to change our high schools, our families, our neighborhoods, our workplace. We want to make a difference. We want to do more than just draw a check or get a grade. Oh, Father, we open our hearts and our ears to you today in Jesus' name.